Would you pray with me as I read a description of our Lion of Judah out of Revelation? It says, Then I saw the voice of the one speaking to me, and I saw seven lampstands. In the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. And his head, and on his head, his hair was white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze that had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining brightly in its strength. Then I saw him, and I fell at my feet, like, at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Don't be afraid of me. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. And so, Lord, I thank you for that truth. I thank you for the truth that you are an all-powerful Savior. I thank you for the... Even as I was over there just thinking about how fatigued I feel and how tired the faces around me look, oh, Lord, forgive us our weakness in our belief. We do believe, help our unbelief, that the, that the Savior that we just sang about, the Savior that we just heard described, the all-powerful one that was dead and is alive forevermore lives in us. And let us just get out of our way and out of your way and let, let you do your work in us and to us this morning. Lord, what we are not yet make us, what we cannot see show us, what our eyes cannot yet possibly fathom and our hearts cannot possibly even think of use this morning to reveal to us that we would not walk out of here the same way we walked in all for the glory and the fame of our lion of judah the lion who sits on the throne jesus christ our lord and savior and all god's people said amen please remain standing for the reading of the word Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with, one, with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all the people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Thank you, Sydney, very much. You may be seated. Grab your Bibles, open them up. Find First Thessalonians. We are getting after it. I have something really cool I want to show you this morning before we jump right into the passage and the outline and all that other stuff. I want to show you something in your Bible, about your Bible, that you would not see without 
in, in the English Bible. Um, but it was something that the Lord just revealed to me as I was studying this passage. And it, and it's, it, it, it so encouraged my soul that if, if we don't get this this morning, if you don't get what I'm about to spend the next couple minutes sharing with you, you're not going to get the whole five weeks we spent in, in this letter um, to the church at Thessalonica. This is the point Paul is making. It is what the Holy Spirit, not only what the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, but how the Holy Spirit inspired him to write it. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. In, the, in Greek, there are two main verb, like moods for verbs that, that describe something. One are called indicatives. They are just, they just describe something about someone. They indicate what you're doing. They, they move the story along. The others are called imperatives and they are commands. Now here's the thing. In the letter we've been in so far, we've been in four messages over four and a half chapters. There have only been so far the Holy Spirit in this letter has only inspired Paul to give two commands. But he's asked him, to, he's given 17 indicatives. Here's the thing about the indicatives. Almost all of them, so in other words, almost all of the verbs in this letter, the things that we're being told to, to do, are all just indicating who you are. And, and almost all of those verbs are the Greek word gnosko which just means to know. So for example, in um, chapter three, I think it was in chapter three, verses three and four, when he says, when he says so, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, and we've talked about how it was a hard road that they were walking on this road in Thessalonica, for yourselves, but you yourselves know, you yourselves gnosko, you know that, that it has been, that, that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when, you were, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that you were going to suffer affliction so it would come to pass as you know. Here's the thing though. This isn't just indicating, okay, you know this. This is in the perfect tense. All of those verbs, all 17 of those indicatives are in what's called the perfect tense. Here's what that means. You know it completely. It was done. You know it. You can't doubt it. You will know it forever. It is true no matter what else is going on in your life. So Paul has spent the first part of this letter to this church going, guys, here's just who you are. You are people who know the truth. And that the truth is not always going to be easy. And, and, and yet, he, he, at this point, he starts to transition. And in the last seven, what we call the last 17 verses of the letter, the last tail end of the letter, he is going to use 17 commands, 17 imperatives. He's only used two in the entire letter. Now, all of a sudden, at the end of this letter, he is going, okay, here it comes. What's, it's almost like God is trying to tell us something. Here's what God's trying to tell us. Based on what you gnosko, based on what you know, which defines who you are, this is what you go do. Our problem as Christians is too often we, we try to do apart from what we know based that, that has actually transformed who we are. We go, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get that I'm saved at the cross. I get that I, I, get that I know that, that my salvation is sure in heaven. Now, now I'm going to go do all this other stuff that he's telling me to do in my own strength. And Paul's going, no, wait a second. In fact, the only, the only two commands he's given so far were actually in last Sunday's message when it talked about in verse, verse 18 of chapter 4. Therefore, 
comfort one another with these words. That was a command. At the, at the end of the message last week in verse 19 of chapter 5, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. The word encourage is an imperative. He is now, those are the only two he's listed so far. He is now going to share 17 commands, and here they are. So we're going to run through them quickly, and then we'll come back, and actually I'll teach the message. Take a look at verse 13. Live in peace with all people. That's a command. So he's saying, based on the fact that you know who you are in Christ, here's what you do. One, live at peace with all men. Second thing there, he says, admonish the unruly. Admonish is a command. Encourage the fainthearted. Encourage is a command. Help the weak. That's a command. Be patient. Verse 15, see that no one repays. See is a command. Seek after, in, later in that verse, seek after that which is good. That's a command. Keep going in verse 16, the, the most, the most well-known passage or verses in this whole letter. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. All commands. But guys, our tendency is to start looking, okay, admonish and encourage and be patient and seek and rejoice and pray and, and give thanks. And we leave behind what he spent four and a half, five, almost five full chapters telling us. You only can do these things, he's saying, if you remember what you know to be true. If you remember what you know to be true. Keep the last one in the verse 19. Do not quench. That's a command. Do not despise in verse 20. Examine everything in verse 21. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from what is evil. Pray for us. Greet one another. Guys, it is, it is like Paul is getting to the end of this letter and he is overwhelmed with, man, this might be the last chance I have to speak to these people. What is it that the Lord wants them to, to now go live out? And so ultimately, what he's trying to tell us today, this, this, this is his plea in this whole letter. His plea is, don't forget what you know, and now go live it out in what you do. Right? And so, and, and part of what he's going to remind us of this morning in this last, and how he finishes it up is, guys, we cannot possibly be, because like, we are forgetful people. We were talking about that this weekend at our house. We leak. Like, like, you can walk out here today going, I know what I know what I know about Jesus. And by Wednesday, you're living in doubt, and you're living in fear, and you're living... Because, because we're just leaky people. That's part of why we have to gather. That's part of why we need to be together. And that's what he's going to show us. He's going to say, okay, so how is it that we can do all of these things holding on to what we know? The answer is we got to stick together. So today, the question we're going to look at is, how can we help one another be thankful? As we're going into Thanksgiving week, as Daniel talked about during our prayer time, how can we actually help each other be thankful? How can we do that? And what the passage is going to show us is that we have to be living life in a supportive community, like we have to live life together in a supportive community that encourages us to live out God's will, that encourages us to focus on his truth, Right, and we have to just keep doing that over and over and over again until the day he comes to bring us home. That it never ends. We don't ever graduate from what we're about to see this morning. And so, with that, we're going to jump right into our first point. In that, we how how do we help one another be thankful? We have to live life in a supportive community. Look at what he says in verse twelve. It says. But we request of you, brethren, 
that you, appreciate, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Is what do you hear in that? In those four verses, what do you hear? Here's what I hear. I hear the heart of a pastor. I hear the heart of, the, of a pastor that wants his people to live in peace and hope and love. And he has this heart. You, you look at what he says. He says, I, I, I want to be, I want to, I want to live as your pastor in a way that is mutually supportive. Do you see what he says there in, in verses 12 and 13? He says, appreciate those who diligently labor among you. He's talking about, like in, at one point it was Timothy. He's talking about himself. He's talking about their, their spiritual leaders as the, as the Lord has given instruction. And then he says, esteem them highly in love. Guys, here's the first part of our problem in, in, in our culture today. And it has seeped into the church. Words like authority and accountability have a very negative context today. And the church is no different. When we talk about being a member of Cornerstone Church, what tends to rustle people is like, wait a minute, are you telling me I am now accountable to a group of people? Are you now telling me that, that I am, um, that, that, that somehow there is, there is a level of spiritual authority over me? And the answer is, I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you what the Bible says. That the Bible says that God's people gather together in such a way that loving pastors shepherd them and have mutual accountability. It doesn't just work top down. It, it works bottom up as well. In fact, the only way it really works is, is, if, is if I'm accountable to you. Right? It's not you being accountable to me. In Hebrews chapter 13, I think verse 17, he talks about how that you are to obey your elders, those who oversee you, but obey your overseers as those who will give an account for your soul. So, so that's, that's a charge on you by whoever wrote Hebrews, probably Luke, about what your, your job is to just, is to obey your overseers. Now we all know that part of why authority and accountability has a negative context is we've seen it abused including in the church. Here's why. Keep your finger in Thessalonians and turn to the right, almost to the end of your Bibles, past the big letter of Hebrews, past James, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Because too many pastors and elders have forgotten this. And guys, I'm not beyond forgetting it either. That's why I need you to remind me of what my role is. That's why the elders need to be reminded, like we need you guys to remind us of what our role is. And what our, what our heart's disposition is supposed to be. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter. Therefore I exhort the elders. By the way, the word elder and pastor is the same word in the New Testament. Right? But the, exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ. And partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. So this is Peter going, I'm, I'm telling you leaders of the church. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Guys, it is not 
out of the, it, you know, one of my things is when we talk about how when our have to becomes a get to, we know we want to for the right reason, that, that, that can also um, untangle backwards the wrong way. When our get to becomes a have to, our want to goes out the door. And, and that is the wrestle for every shepherd, right? And that shepherd, even in your own home with your kids, I, 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 instead of going, I get to train up my children in the way they should go, if it becomes this, I have to, and we all wrestle. If you're going to be honest, parents, we all wrestle in that moment of, I know I have to do this right now, but I don't want to, right? It's no different for the pastor. What, what Peter's reminding me of, what Peter's reminding us of is, we are to be, we should, we should desire to, to help our have to stay a get to, I get to do this. I get, I get to shepherd God's people. What an amazing thing. It is amazing that any of you show up. Honestly. Like I have to remind myself of that over and over and over. And I genuinely mean that. Praise God, any of you are here right now. It is a humbling thing to me, but I pray that it stays that way. And we'll, and we'll get back to where Paul goes in a little bit when he talks about rejoicing and being thankful. That's a, that's a wrestle. It's a wrestle as a pastor to, to, not, to not look around and go, but look at all the people that aren't here. Right? Is it even worth the effort? Right? I'm just letting you know a little, like how messed up your pastor is. But I don't think I'm the only one in the room that struggles with stuff like that. But what, he, what Peter's telling us here is, is don't, verse three, don't lord over them those that are allotted to your charge, but prove to be an example to the flock. And here's the motivation. And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's what Paul's talking about. So back to Thessalonica, back to um, our, our, our passage. That's what he's talking about. When, well, that's what I see when there's this mutual accountability, mutual support for one another. It is not a lording over, but it is a connectedness. Authority and accountability are just a part of what the church is supposed to be about, and we really struggle with, like our society just really struggles with that, right? But, but what we have to remember is that the Bible is pretty clear. So what else do I see here? Here's something, something else I see here. In verse 14, he says, be patient with each other. He says, he, I, I see people that are genuinely loving each other. And sometimes that love is tough. Admonish one another. This is no longer just the pastor admonish. This is, he says, admonish each other. Admonish means to correct, right? This isn't just like, Doug, I'm, it's my job to correct all the things that are right. Like it's your job. It's part of being a family. And so he's saying, but this, he said, I, it's, I, I see this loving community where people are, even if it has to be tough love sometimes, but not always tough love, admonish but also encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, right? Like even when Peter talks about always be prepared to give a, an answer for the hope that you have in you, what does he say? With gentleness and respect. We sometimes forget that and just want to beat people over the head with the truth, and here's my right answer. So what else do we see? Well, one, we see this, this, like, this accountability, et cetera. We, I, I also see this genuine love, patience, et cetera. And the last thing I see is see that no one repays evil for evil, but seek after the good of one another and all people. Guys, our job, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, our job is to love other people without asking the question, do they deserve it? 
as Christians, our job, it starts right here in this room, right? Because some of you people frustrate the snot out of me. And some of you people I frustrate the snot out of. My job is to just love you without asking whether or not you've earned that love. Because that's what Christ does for you and I. Because somebody brought, when I, met, when I showed the slide a few weeks ago, somebody mentioned that. Like, they were just struck with, you know what, the reality is none of us deserve it. That's the point. Right? The point is, if we start getting into who deserves what, we lose. We lose. Because none of us deserve it. Okay. So our question today was, how can we help one another be thankful? One, we have to do life in a supportive community. That The second point is that, that encourages you to live as God wills. So pick it up. I have to turn the page in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Guys, Remember, because this is probably the most well-known passage in the whole letter. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. We, we, a lot of you have that probably circled, underlined, highlighted, whatever. Guys, what we, we tend to want to try to do those commands, the imperatives, but we want to leave behind the indicatives. How do we rejoice always? How do we pray without ceasing? How is it possible that in everything that's going on in my life or in the world or my whatever, how can I give thanks in all of that? The, the only answer is if I hang on to what I know to be true. And Paul is going to get there when we get to verse 24, but I, but I don't want to quite go there yet. But look at what he says. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's the part of, guys, we memorize, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. None of that works without the last part of that, of, of chapter, of verse 18. If we don't hold on to, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What in the world does that mean? What is God's will for us? What is God's will for you? Well, funny, Paul mentioned it to us already. He says in chapter 4, verse 3, for this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. Wait, what? what? How, how do those two thoughts connect, Paul? Here's how. He's, sanctification is just a fancy word for set apart to be useful to God. It's to live and grow in holiness. Guys, do you know that like when Peter says, be holy as, God, as I am holy, he's quoting Leviticus. He's quoting Leviticus chapter 11. And, and there's several places in the New Testament where it says, have you not been told, be holy, for I am holy? Do you know that in that passage that they're all quoting in Leviticus? Do you know how we're holy? Because we go like, yeah, but how can, I hear people say that. Well, I can't be holy. I know I'm a sinner. I know I struggle. Yeah, welcome to the club. So what is, he, what is God talking about? Here's what he's talking about. He's In that passage in Leviticus, we won't turn there, but he says in that passage, right, when God says, be whole, therefore you will be holy as I am holy. You know what the verse is right before that? I am the one who delivered you out of Egypt. Do you know what God's saying? And do you know what the New Testament is saying every time it quotes that passage? Because of the cross, because I have delivered you, I have already rescued you. Now just live who you already are. Because that's how I already see you. When he delivered the Israelites in the Exodus, he saw them as free. The problem is they didn't. 
And so many of us are that way. When he says be holy, he is not saying try harder. But that's what my ears hear. My ears hear, just try harder to do better, Doug. That's not what God's saying. God's saying, I've already set you apart. I've already redeemed you. I've already rescued you. Just live that way. Just live free. But we don't want to, we just, it's so hard for the human condition to genuinely live that way. To just live consistent with our gnosko, what we already know to be true. But then I look and I go, okay, so this is God's will for you and everything to give thanks. Wait, wait, what? How in the world do we give thanks in? It doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says give thanks in everything. The reality is the only way that's possible is if, we don't, if we're not giving thanks out of duty, but we're doing it out of devotion. Right? It's, it's like, I'm gonna, I can give you thanks even in, this, even in this unpleasant circumstance because I know you know what's best. And, I'm, and, and, and even though I don't, I don't know how in the world this is best for me, I'm going to trust that you do. And so I can give you thanks for that. Because that is a supernatural thing. That is absolutely because you've been changed by what you know to be true and the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the give thanks in all things is a supernatural thing that you cannot do apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Neither can I. So let's not try. But giving thanks in all things simply means going, God, you're in control. God, you get it. I don't, but you do. And so here we go. I'm just going to hold on to you. I'm just going to keep looking up. And it's so hard. Why is it so hard to be a thankful people? We're going into Thanksgiving weekend. Why is it so hard to be a thankful people, guys? Am I the only one that struggles with Thanksgiving? Like, seriously, I, I mean, you guys are all like, yeah, oh, man, you, it must stink to be you. And so that's the look I see on your faces. Am I the only one who struggles with being thankful? Why is it so hard? Well, mostly it's because of me and because of you. I think I just deserve better. I think I'm owed something. I think I, right? I, there's all kinds of selfish reasons. But here's the other reason. I can, even, if, even if I can separate myself from that sinful attitude, there's a world out there that wants to tell me that there's better stuff out there. And social media and, and television, it just feeds that monster. Why? Because we don't put the bad stuff in our lives on our social media feed. So we sit there and we look at other people's lives and we go, man, I wish I had this. I wish we could go on that trip. I wish that, that our family looked like that. I wish, right? Why? Because it's not real. Because we're not seeing the fight that they had with their wife. Guys, I see stuff on social media from some of you people, and I know how you talk to each other, and yet you'll post things about how you're, you're, you and your spouse are just this wonderful, loving couple, and I'm like, really? Let me post our conversation from two weeks ago as a comment to your post, because that's what's real. right? And, but we don't share real. And it feeds this like inadequacy in us. It feeds this, man, my life just isn't enough. It's not all it's supposed to be. It's not even all that God wants it to be. I just stink. And the enemy is right there. So eager to whisper, yes, you do. You really do stink. 
you really are bad at this thing. We, we, again, how, the, the question today, how do we help each other be thankful? Part of it is, man, we got, we, it's what I talked about a couple weeks ago. We have to speak words of life and love over one another when we gather. We have to speak words of grace and truth. We have to just go, man, you know what? I get that that sucks. I get that that's, that was a hard thing. Let's just pray right now. Instead of spending five minutes rehashing the bad stuff, just skip it. Just say, yeah, it's, I had a situation, it stunk, let's pray. And turn your mind's attention and heart's affection towards God. I, I kind of got on this soapbox, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but guys, when we speak words of darkness and death, we are giving the enemy power. And too often, even in our prayer requests, we, what we really want to do is just emote for 10 minutes and then go, I'll pray for that and leave. What just happened in that 10 minutes? The enemy just got stronger and grace got weaker. So don't do that. To flip it. Go, man, I'm just really struggling right now. My kid is sick right now. My, family, my finances stink right now. But don't go, because my boss this and because, it just, it just does. God knows all the rest of the details. Let's just pray right now. Right? And watch and see what that doesn't do to your heart to make it more thankful. Take a look at your table talk question. It's on the back of your connecting points because it is so hard for us to stay thankful. It just is, right? So here's what you're going to do. So on the, back of your connect, on the back of your bulletin, the connecting points, it says this. If we lose our attitude of gratitude, all we have left is attitude. To that end, fill out. So on your table, there are at least eight completely blank, no holes on purpose. These are not to be hung on the cross. We have some up there with holes on them. If you want to hang something on the cross today, you're always welcome to do that. Here's what you're going to do with these. Take at least one, everybody. And you are going to write down as many things as you are thankful for on this card. It could be a person's name. It could be a situation. It could be your favorite dessert. It could be how, I don't care, however big or how small. Right now, you're going to take the next five minutes at your table. You can share ideas if you want. It doesn't have to be quiet. It can be quiet because sometimes... Sometimes like hearing somebody else's thankfulness things reminds you, oh yeah, I'm thankful for that too. But we have to speak words of life. This card at the end, front, front and back, if you need more, there should be more on your table. If not, grab, steal somebody else's. But guys, at the end, what, this card should be full of words of life that then you will take home and go, oh yeah, I do have a lot to be thankful for because I finally took five minutes out of a crazy week and renewed my mind with what is true. Go. It's okay to be thankful for things like a house to live in. Like, like don't, like, sometimes in Christianity we think, oh man, all, the only thing I can write on a card like this is like something super spiritual. If it's not the cross and grace and every other Christianese word I can think of, then I can't write it on my card. How about if you just put down your iPhone? Like, I don't mean put, you put down your iPhone, but if you're just, if you're thankful for an iPhone that allows you to FaceTime somebody, put your iPhone down. It's okay. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. If it's an Android phone, then you're a bad Christian. Oh, sorry. (laughs) 
Okay, so keep adding, keep adding to your list. Like it was, you know, you take the card, you're going to put it in your Bible. Um, what we do at our house is we have what's called, oh, we have a Thanksgiving tree. We have it up on our Arcadia door. We just use sticky notes now. And, and, from, and we, we actually started a few weeks ago this time, but sometimes we don't start till the week of Thanksgiving. And we just have, we'll just write, as, as the Lord brings something to mind, we'll write it down on the sticky note and we'll put it on the tree. And then on Thanksgiving Day, what we'll do is we'll pull all those off the tree, we'll put them around the table, and we'll just read them out loud as a family, and we'll pray over them. And it is just such, and it's a bit, but like right now, we're looking at our Arcadia door, and I'm seeing just this tree full of leaves, just sticky notes, and it's like, man, do we have a lot to be thankful for? The answer is yeah, and I'll be honest, we've had seasons like last Thanksgiving where it was a fight to get a leaf on that tree. Like it looked like you know, a, a tree that had been burnt. Um, so I, I get, some of you are sitting here right now and you're going, Doug, I, I honestly am struggling to, fi- to think of very much that I'm thankful for. And I can put some stuff down, but I'm just making it up. Like I'm just doing it because you're telling me I have to. I, guys, I get it. I, but, I get it. Paul gets it. Here's the thing. Jesus gets it. Right? Jesus was not thankful for the cross while he was in the garden. But like Daniel reminded us of in prayer, he said in that moment, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. And for that, I will be forever thankful. So I, so. If you're wrestling, don't let the enemy turn your wrestle for your lack of thankfulness into one more thing to be discouraged about. Bring it. Bring it to a brother or sister. Bring it to the Lord. Like, you know, maybe what you're, maybe you don't have anything on your card right now and you just need to grab one of the cards with a hole in it and go, I need to confess my lack of faith, my, my, my lack of thankfulness. I'm just angry at you right now, Lord. I, I, I believe me, I get it. We, we, need to, we need to stop hiding behind this, oh, angry at the Lord. How can you possibly be angry at the Lord? Have you ever read half of David's Psalms? A man after God's own heart is the one who wrote, who penned the, the term, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was not theory to him. He was in pain, real emotional pain. And God saw fit to preserve it in his word. Why? Because he wanted to give us license to go, it's okay. I get it. Just don't stay there. Bring it to me. Let's deal with it together. But in the church, we've created this environment where it's like, the last place I would tell people that I'm struggling with my relationship with the Lord right now is church. Guys, where else are you going to go? Starbucks? We've got to be okay with not being okay. And then going, but we're not going to stay not okay. Right? We've, we've talked about this for years. We want Cornerstone to be a place that is safe enough to go, I am struggling with sin. I'm struggling with fill in the blank. And it's loving enough to go, but we love you too much to let you stay that way. We're not going to tell you to get cleaned up and get it fixed and get over here. We're going to say, let's get together and fix this. That's the community he's building here. That's what we want to be about. Okay, 
So the question today is, how can we help one another be thankful? Well, we're doing it right now. That's one thing. Live in loving community that encourages you to live out God's will, for this is God's will for you. And there's another way to read that before we move on to the, th- to the third point. When it says, for, rejoice always, pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you. There's a second way you can read, it's God's will to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. You could also say, we're supposed to rejoice, pray, and give thanks in whatever is going on in your life because it is God's will for you. If you are believing in a sovereign God who's in control of all things, then whatever the, the it is that you're supposed to give thanks in is God's will for you. But we'll get back to it when we get to verse 24. The third thing, though, is that we are to focus on the truth. Now look at verses 19 through 22. It says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. I'm not going to go into all the details about what all this could or could not mean, because nobody really knows for sure. Quenching the Holy Spirit, though, does mean, it can mean a couple of things. Paul writes it several times in his letters. One, it could mean just sin. Like it's grieving and quenching. It's stifling the Holy Spirit's work in your life. What he's talking about here, though, is don't quench the Holy Spirit and how it's being played out in your church. What he's, and that's why he moves on to do not despise prophetic utterances. So he's saying if somebody says, hey, man, I feel like the Lord is telling me to tell you this. Don't run from that. At the same time, he doesn't say just accept it and go, okay, I guess that's the truth. Right? How do we know he doesn't say that? Because he says in verse 21, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is good and kick out the junk. And that's what we're supposed to do. But, but, our, but again, the church has gotten so messed up. We are either truth, and what we mean by that is if it's God's word. Anything apart from God's word is sin. Or we're like, man, I'm just going to be led by the Spirit. I don't really read the Bible. I just hang out and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. Whoa! Either one of those things is not good. How do I know? Because in John chapter 4, our Savior said, an hour is coming and now is that those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. Because such are the ones my Father is seeking as worshipers. Why? Because God is spirit. And those who worship God will worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay, some of you are more spirit-centered, and you're really more, and and, and like when we rearrange, I don't just mean physically in the room, I mean how we do Sunday mornings, some of you really embraced that, because you're more spirit, like, yeah, that's awesome. I love the prayer, I love just being able to share what the Lord's putting on my heart. And some people were like, (gasps) Like, I just want, I want to come and have the word of God taught verse by verse clearly and do a word study kind of thing. The reality, the the beautiful mess is the mess in the middle of those two things. That's why we started calling it from day one back in May when we met on Pentecost the first time. What we're looking at right now is a glorious mess. What is the mess? How do we hold on to the truth and still be free to be led by the Holy Spirit? It's a fight. Every church fights it. Every church that's, that's willing to try to, to live the uncomfortableness in the middle fights, which is why so many churches do one or the other, because the fight is just hard. But we're going to keep fighting. Here's what you know for sure. You have, there's, there's freedom here. There's grace here. But here's the other thing, and I just want to make really clear. We will always stand on the truth of God's word. We will never hear a word from the Lord that says that same-sex marriage is okay. 
Because you know what? He's changed his mind. How do I know that's not okay? Because it says so right here. Right? And we're going to hold on to this like our lives depend on it because it's, it is the only thing by which we can navigate being led by the Spirit by. Otherwise, man, we are just out on a sea of, of darkness with no place to navigate to. Right? This has got to be our lighthouse. This is it. And so we're going to hang on to this even as we go, let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so... The question we're looking at is, how can we help each other be thankful? We have to live in encouraging community, or we have to live in um, supportive community that encourages you to live out God's will, focused on the truth. So we're always going to be anchored to the Bible until he comes to bring us home. And we're going to finish it up with this. Look at verses 23 through 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. We might want to hold off on that one. Just, you know, like we're, we're, we're crazy because none of us are wearing masks and we still hug each other. So, oh, right? Like, I mean, that's what people think about. I mean, I don't know if you know that or not, but there are people out there that just think we're nuts for what we're doing right, right now today. So maybe holding off on the holy kiss might be a good balance right there in that, that glorious mess in the middle, right? Just for a little bit. I'm not even sure what that means exactly, but I'll just holy kiss my wife and family, I guess. Um, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Man, again, just the way he started the letter. Remember how he started the letter? I, I didn't even think about this till just now. Paul and Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of Thessalonica, and God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace. Remember I said back then, it was five weeks ago, I'm like, man, we need more, we need more talk like that. Like, we need to end more conversations. We need to end more emails. We need to end more text messages with things like, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Right? Like, I, I, I get that that just feels really kind of weird in this culture, but it shouldn't. If we're living like Christ, if we're living for Christ, but I want to go back to, and we're just going to take a couple of minutes and look at verse 24. Because it really, I, I know verses 16, 17, and 18 are what everybody has memorized. And it's what you've heard taught through on Thanksgiving weekends and stuff. But verse 24 is the key to all of it. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. Faithful is the gnosko. Faithful is what you know about who you serve. The first four and a half chapters. Faithful is that, that person, all those things that you know, you know, you know, you know. 17 times he says, you just know it perfectly. You know it completely. And then he says, and he also is the one who will bring it to pass in these 17 commands that I just gave you. In these imperatives. Because it is this, this right here. Verse 24, faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass is the only way we can rejoice always. It is the only way we can pray without ceasing. It is the only way, if we really, the only way we can really in everything give thanks is if we believe verse 24, that, that he really is faithful and that he really is gonna work things out. Guys, it is the, the only, it is, this is the only way we can keep clinging to Christ in the midst of a crisis. 
Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to let go. If we don't really believe that faithful is Christ who's called us and Christ will bring it to pass, when things go bad, we will take over. And that's what we see happening. It's the only way we can keep looking up. This is it. Otherwise, why would we look up? If we don't believe verse 24, why in the world would we look up to, to heaven for our salvation? Right? We have to, like down deep, we have to know that we know that we know that verse 24 is true. That he is faithful and he will bring it to pass. Not almost never the way you want and almost, almost always intentionally not in the time you would like him to do it. Why? Because it's, he is proving our faith. To who? To him? To us. He is proving. Another way to think of the word proving is strengthening. When you prove something, like when you prove you, your, your, your argument, you are strengthening your argument. He is proving our faith. That's why he'll delay. That's why he'll wait. That's why he'll do it a way that we wouldn't want him to do it. Because, it, guys, guys, the fight for thankfulness is a fight for faith. It is. It is a fight for it, The only way we can really be thankful in the coming week, weeks, months, whatever, is if we really hold on to our faith. We're going to look at, starting next week, we're going to start, Advent starts next Sunday, believe it or not. Those are the four weeks prior to Christmas, and, we've, and, we've, and we're going to celebrate it very much like we have in the past, different passages, different teaching, same idea. We're going to look at hope, love, joy, and peace, the four, these, the four words. But guys, those four things, hope, love, joy, and peace, are not, you don't get those so you can be thankful. This is what we think. If I could just be joyful, I would be thankful. No, it doesn't work that way. Those, those words, words like hope, love, joy, and peace, don't lead to thankfulness. They come from being thankful. If you will just be thankful, you will experience hope. Why? Because you just remind yourself of all the things he's shown his goodness to you in. And you're like, okay, I'm going I, I, I'm, I'm to be hopeful in Christ. You're going to be able to consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. How? Because you've, you've thanked him for the situation that gave you the opportunity to practice your faith, to prove your faith, to strengthen your faith. As is, um, I'm going to have Abby and Emma come up and they're going to, um, lead us in a song that the Lord um, just put on my heart this week as I was preparing for the message. They, I'll tell you up front, they don't like doing this kind of stuff. I'll tell you up front, I don't care. So um, they're going to come up and they're, um, they're going to lead. They're going to lead us in a song called, How Can You Refuse Him Now? What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Here's what it has to do with. Guys, you might be sitting here right now as a unsaved, unregenerate person. You might be sitting here right now as a very seasoned saint. Every minute of my life, every minute of your life, regardless of whether you're unsaved or you're just like a very mature follower of Christ, every minute we are either pushing him away or we are drawing him closer. There is no middle ground with Christ. There just, there just isn't. We are either pushing away his plan for our life or we're embracing it. Right, so, so, so this, 
the lyrics of the song are certainly very much about salvific salvation things, but don't just make them about your salvation. Ask your, guys, every time we say something like, I, I'll just do something trivial on purpose. I wish I were taller. I do actually wish I were taller. Nothing else, you guys could see me better, right? I'm 5'9", I'm a little dude, I get it. You know what I'm saying? You know what that's saying? God, you made a mistake. I am pushing away his plan for my life because he's the one who made me like this because of what I want. And in a very real sense down deep in my heart, and we all do this over and over again, we are refusing his best because we want our way. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the truth of your grace and your goodness to us. I thank you for... Um, I thank you for the reality that, that even when we push you away and push you away and push you away, you don't turn away. You pursue. You are a pursuing Savior. So what I want to pray right now, specifically for this moment of response, is the girls sing the song and, and we just let the lyrics wash over us, um, that you would show us the things that are keeping us from you that are keeping us from being truly thankful for what, you, for what you have brought into our lives and for what you will bring to pass. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening in Jesus' name. Amen.